the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. A cloud of dust and a hearty Hyo Silver. The Lone Ranger. Hyo Silver! With his faithful Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful no, I was playing that because uh, I think of you kind of as the Lone Ranger lately because you've been uh, up here by yourself, you know. I mean, I'm here, but I don't really contribute that much to the show on the air. All right. Yes, I and am so, here uh, by myself again tonight. Wait, is it, is it, is it strange <laughs> that, the, that the Native American is the Lone Ranger? I thought you were going to refer in some way, shape, or form to Tonto. Well, she's kind of your Tonto, your sidekick, your co-host, your. But she's not. But she. But 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 Kimosabi is not here. That's right. That's right. No, uh, that's funny. That's funny. I've I've uh, I've often told people. Uh, well, let's say, in our ministry over the many many years in different countries and all of that, of course, where it would make sense, I've often told people that um, made made a little joke about the fact that. The Lone Ranger had his sidekick Tonto, and of course, we here in South Texas know what Tonto means. Uh, refresh my memory. Tonto, tú eres un tonto, una persona tonta. It means. Um, hmm, I don't know if I want to use the word uh, stupid. Don't worry, don't worry about it then. I don't know if I want to use the word stupid or. Yeah, it means. Uh, oh, trust me, I've heard that word. Tonto means you're 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 a little bit. You're a little bit slow. You know, you're slow, mentally slow, Tonto. So he was calling him slow all those years. I guess so if he understood Spanish, which we don't know. But then my my understanding is that uh, we don't take offense at that. Native, as you know, I'm a Native American, and we don't take offense at that because if people only knew what kimosabi means. Then <laughs> <laughs> they, well, you know, you, it was just nice to, in the, in the 50s, to see 
an actual Native American playing a Native American. And, and, a, and a good part, a good role, yeah. I mean, it wasn't Bernie Coppell or somebody. Yeah, and, and at that time, to be very honest, I didn't know the word tonto means stupid. I, I, of course, I, I didn't learn Spanish until I was... 30-something years old, moving to Spain. So that's when I learned all my Spanish. My, da- my, I, my dad and I were laughing because a few weeks ago I watched an Elvis movie called uh, Stay Away Joe. Yeah. And he he's from a Native American family because Elvis looks Native American. Oh, yes. yes. And, and, and the father was played by Burgess Meredith. Because again, he is so uh, you know, you know the penguin from Batman. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's so Native American. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burgess Meredith. I, I thought the penguin from Batman was uh, 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 Cesar Romero. No, the the uh, the guy Danny uh, DeVito. Yeah, DeVito. no, no, that's from from the movies. I'm talking about the old the, the '60s TV show. Oh, oh, I see from that. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Well, there we go. There's the long explanation for your creative little yes, yes. That's how my that's how my intro. mind works. That's how my mind works, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, I won't say you're tonto, but <laughs> if you're comparing me to Jay Silverheels, I'll take that as a compliment. All right, any day now, huh? Jay Silverheels, the actor who played the role of Tonto. Well, welcome everybody. So glad you're here on board with us tonight. Uh, this is the Bible Live. This is your opportunity to. Be a part of the show. Just the fact that my lovely, sweet daughter Stacy is not with us. She and her husband T.W. and uh, my grandson William, uh, they have they're taking a little bit of a uh, a family get together, a little family outing. A little, they're gone camping for the weekend here because Will has got a little sister on the way. You know, she's going to be. She got uh, Stacy is of course. Uh, Great with child, as we would say, and it looks like there's going to be a little girl born any any day now, any week now, coming up in the month of March. What's, what's the due date? Uh, we don't know exactly. Um, it, it's I have a dear, dear friend who just had a baby two days ago, and it was 11 days early from the due date. It's their second. So the second one is always a little, a little less predictive because, I mean— could come earlier, come later. You know, I, we don't we don't know exactly. If it comes a certain day in March, it'll come on his grandmom's. The baby will be born on his grandmother's. On her, it's a little girl, by the way. We born on her grandmother's birthdays. Uh, so, you know, we're all kind of hoping who mode maybe that would happen. But she's going to be born uh, here pretty soon. And that's so kind of, that's the best kind of birthday present. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll make it a little easier to have the birthday trip together. But anyway, uh, they they're out just trying to have a little last last time with the William has got them both all to himself in, on a special kind of event, and uh, they don't have school. Uh, they're out of school tomorrow, so they thought this would be a good weekend. So they're out and about. I don't know if they're tuning in or not. If they are, I hope they're having a great time, honey. All of you, my dear dear. Family and so, uh, as you said, though here I am in the studio, uh, the Lone Ranger. Naturally, yeah, all alone. Naturally, yeah, I got you. I get you. Well, we are in for the Bible Live broadcast. Though we are in the Book of Joshua. We finished up Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and I hope as I'm saying these books of the Bible. My real, real hope is that you're able to just kind of think through with me, okay, what is Genesis all about? You know, creation 
and then the fall of man, and then um, the expansion of the human race around the planet, and then you come up to uh, the the flood, Noah's flood in chapter eleven. Then you get to uh, chapter seven, I guess it is, and then you get to the you know the the new expansion of the human race through his children, Noah's children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The race expands. I, I'm I'm hoping you're able to think through and being learning now as we go through the Bible together each year, you're able to begin to think through. Genesis, come to chapter 12, you get to Abraham, um, God chooses him, he, he's been focusing on the whole human race, but now he brings it down to one man and his wife, Sarai, or Sarah, and, and Abraham, then their son Isaac, and then Jacob, and then his 12 sons, and then they, you can think through the adventures and the stories of each of these individuals, there's many, many things that take place. And then they go down, and God promises Abraham he's going to give him uh, and his descendants this land of Canaan. And he's covenants with Abraham. He's going to use Abraham and his his uh, descendants to be a blessing to the whole world. And what we know now and we understand is that he's talking about not only in earth times and in temporal earthly experiences, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the people they give witness, they keep alive a witness of the true and living God in a world that is increasingly idolatrous, in a world that, that people worship idols and false gods and, and no gods at all, and there's perversion and there's corruption and there's all kinds of wickedness and cruelty that takes place. Because remember that the sin nature has been set free within the human race, and so God is uh, calling out a people from the human race for himself, but we still live in this human world where there's cruelty, where there's idolatry, where there's wickedness of every kind. And and uh, even though uh, we're God's people, we still make mistakes ourselves. At times we succumb to the temptations and to the pressures around us uh, and so on. So God is, but he's putting in place through Abraham, he's putting in place measures, he's putting in place principles that are going in the first place, they're going to uh, preserve the world. In that time, they're going to be a an instrument that God uses in each moment, in each time, each year of history that goes. God is at work in and through and with and around his people, influencing that time and the lives of people in that era. And, of course, through them into the next generation and the next generation. So uh, you've got Genesis and you've got then after the uh, the book of Genesis, uh, you go into Exodus. You know they're down in Egypt, and you go to Exodus, and Moses comes along, and God uses him to bring the people out after four hundred years in bondage in Egypt. Exodus is about coming out. They come out of Egypt. God brings them out, and He then begins to build them up as His people, instructs them, gives them, restores their identity as the people of the, the covenant. He restores their understanding of their purpose and their call to be a people that worships the true and living God and God alone. And, you know, the Ten Commandments and, and the laws of God that he gave to Moses. And then 40 years in the wilderness as they wander, as they learn, as they are taught. And uh, because of their lack of faith to enter into the promised land the first time, they wander for 40 years. Then they come in to uh, the east side of the Jordan uh, 
to uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. They come to the east side of the Jordan, the book of Numbers. And then uh, Deuteronomy, you have that 30-day period before they go, they cross the Jordan. A, uh, Moses gives them four or five uh, long addresses, a second giving of the law to the generation, a second generation of, of Israelites. And there they are. And then Joshua takes them into the promised land. And that's where we are right now in terms of the Hebrew scriptures. We're, we're looking at Joshua. And we've gotten up to chapter 6. And Joshua is now taking the people of Israel into the promised land. And we read up through, last week we read up through chapter, um, chapter the end of chapter 5 actually, um, and Joshua uh, was near the town of Jericho. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. We're, we're, I'm reading from Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And Joshua says, Are you a friend or a foe? And listen to this. The angel or perhaps a pre-incarnate, uh, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Messiah himself, the, the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God. Uh, this being says, uh, I am the commander of the Lord's army. He said, are you a friend or a foe? And he answers, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Interesting answer there, right? Um, and it's very instructive to us. At this, Joshua fell to his face with his face to the ground in reverence, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? Take off your sandals, the commander of the Lord's army replied, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. And the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its long, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. So he gives him these unusual battle instructions, which are a reflection of the same instructions that Moses gave them about going to war. So they follow up about the trumpets uh, sounding and so on, and the priests leading them into the battle. Uh, and the the captain of the Lord's, commander of the Lord's armies uh, said, well, uh, tells him what to do. And then Joshua goes back and tells the priest, take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. So we have these opening chapters of the book of Joshua as they prepare now to go. They've gone into, they've crossed the Jordan River on dry land, and now they're going in to begin the conquest of the promised land. And the big city in front of them is the city of Jericho. And so we all know Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. So that's what we're coming up on. So they uh, approach the battle of Jericho and um, they attack Jericho. Uh, they win the battle. The fall of Jericho in chapter 6. And then uh, this great, great battle, this amazing victory that they received. Don't forget that uh, Rahab was this uh, woman in the city of Jericho that helped 
protect the spies that had gone in to scout out the the uh, opposition, the enemy, and find out what they could could that would help them in the battle. But Rahab hid them and protected them, and so they had, she has been granted protection. Remember the uh, the scarlet rope that is placed outside her window, so that she she and anyone who stays in her house would be uh, would be hidden behind the scarlet rope would be uh, res- preserved would not suffer from the battle, and so we see a, a picture there, a little picture of the redemptive plan of God, and so they go in, they take the city, and. Uh, this incredible victory that they have that we can sing about in our <laughs> Sunday schools and so on. And then, of course, we're going to begin there tonight with our considerations of what happens in uh, the book of Joshua. And in this coming, this was last week, we made it through chapters 16 through 24 to the end of the book. And then this coming week, we'll start right up with the book of Judges. We're going to read Joshua, Judges, and the little book of Ruth, a little book of four chapters long, that is also from this same period of time. Now, talking about a period of time, let's get it in its context. This is about 1450, from about 1450 to 1400 is when the 40 years in the wilderness. And and then uh, Moses delivers the messages at the last month of his life in the book of Deuteronomy. Then he goes to be with God, and then Joshua becomes the leader. And about 1405 B.C., they invade Canaan. They cross Jericho. They cross the River Jordan and approach Jericho. The battle is engaged. So that's 1405. They go for about 25 or 30 years, maybe 35 years. They is the book of Joshua. Joshua in the next 25 to 30 year period is a time of battle. They are the people of God, uh, the the people of Israel are united. They go into uh, Canaan. They conquer Jericho. They go through the embarrassing loss to the little town of Ai because of Achan's sin. We read about that in chapter seven, uh, 8 and 9, I believe it is. We read about the sin of Achan, how one person, one individual and a family causes the defeat of the whole nation. Now, isn't that interesting? One person, his sin affects the success of an entire nation, two million people and and the people they face this this one sin of Achan, this man named Achan in chapter 7, has incredible consequences for his own family, for his own nation, his own tribe, his, the nation of Israel, and for the people in Canaan. Uh, and there we have a record of it. It's, it's written about right there in chapter 7 of Joshua. And then they, the nation is defeated in battle by the next little little tiny town called Ai and because of that sin. And uh, we, we, I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. What do you make of that? That's, that's astounding in a way. And then we're going to go into chapters uh, 7, 8, 9. The Lord's covenant is re- renewed. The people again after the time of Achan 
repent. They they turn to God. They respond to God's message through Joshua, and they renew the covenant to 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 honor God. Now remember, they just entered this covenant. Moses had just talked to him about it on the other side of the river, just just weeks, months before, and they all said, "We're going to do this. We're going to follow you. We're going to." And here they've already, there's been this compromise. So then we're going to talk about the Gibeonites, this people who deceive Israel. And we're going to go on into this time of battle, about 25, 30 years of battle uh, in the time of Joshua. Remember, Joshua is very old. Uh, He and Caleb were the two spies from 40 years before who came back with a faithful um, godly response to what they saw in Canaan. They said, we can take it. God will give us the victory. But the other, the people would not follow their advice. The other 10 spies gave a negative review. Uh, and uh, so they cost them 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But this is the same Joshua and Caleb now who are, they're very old, uh, but Joshua leads them in. And uh, they take the, the, in 25 or 30 years of battle, they take the promised land. They have, uh, they take the northern kingdoms first, and then the southern kingdoms unite against them. Uh, frankly, this their battle strategy has been imitated. I, my understanding is that even at West Point, uh, the battle strategy of of, uh, of Joshua going into the promised land is studied as a masterful uh, military strategy for dividing and conquering the land of Canaan. So they. Um, they have these 25 or 30 years, uh, and then the land is allotted. We see there in the book of Joshua, the land is allotted to the different tribes. Uh, now, it's already been basically done, but now they formalize it, and they tell which uh, which towns are given to the Levites, which towns are used for cities of refuge. We'll talk about what that means. And, and then the allotment of the remaining land. Uh, there was some land already given out on the east side of the Jordan to the uh, half tribe of Manasseh and 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 the Reubenites and so on, and then the allotment of the remaining land in the Promised Land to Issachar, Asher, Nephtali, Dan, Joshua, all of the they received their tribes, and in chapter two, their land for them to inhabit, and then they uh, after that twenty five or thirty years of open warfare, it's given then to each tribe to finish the job of, of clearing out the enemies and the, uh, those who would not follow after the true and living God, who not join with them, uh, and, and to dry, either battle and war against them or to drive them out of the land. So that all happens in the book of jo- Joshua. And then this coming week, we'll move into the period, the post-Joshua period, the post-conquest uh, uh, period, the time of the judges. This is about a 300 to 325-year period where uh, they don't have a central government. They don't have a king. They, each of the tribes ha- has their own tribal um, uh, leaders. And the nation, the, it's kind of like states' rights, I guess you would say. So each of the tribes tries to do as best they can. Uh, you know, eking out a living and making farming the land, ranching, raising their crops and herds, and but then they would still, in that 325 years, come under duress, under pressure, under attack by other people groups. Sometimes Canaanite groups that they did not 
that they had failed to drive out, and other times uh, other groups that came from outside, the Philistines, for example, who came from across the uh, Mediterranean. And so we'll go into the time of the judges, a 325-year period, and we'll talk about uh, one woman and and 11 men, 12 judges, that uh, God raised up over this period of time. They would go, they would get in trouble, they would compromise, they would not follow after God, and then then they would fall into bondage. The Midianites, the Moabites, some other group, the Philistines would come and, and harass them, and take their crops and and so on, and then they would repent finally, and then God would raise up a hero, a deliverer, and they weren't always great supermen, wonderful people. They were sometimes really, you, really sometimes they were they. God would use them anyway, but sometimes they were not godly at all. They were very, uh, if, if they loved God or served God, they may acknowledge Him, but they weren't they weren't following God. Uh, closely at all, sometimes these judges. But God would use them in any way to bless the nation. And so that's what we run into. The time of the judges, that following the time of Joshua here, is one of the ugliest times of history. It's it's terribly sad and very difficult to read it because the failures and the compromise and the perversion and the and the wickedness of the people in the land, it, it just... Actually, it stuns us after we've read about what God did for them and, and among them during these early books. But that's what we're going to be coming up on. My question for you now as we go into the book of Joshua tonight, my question for you is, what sense do you make of all of this? How how do we read this and how are we supposed to understand it? How are we to learn anything about it? Here we are in 2000. You know, years, 2022 years after the Messiah has come, and we live in this world today. How are we supposed to apply the book of Joshua? How are we supposed to apply these experiences? Well, when we come back from our break here, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to apply the Bible passages that you read about Israel and Jericho and these battles and the times of the judges and everything we're reading about the people of Israel. We'll move on from the book of uh, Judges. We'll move on to the times of the kings, Saul and David and Solomon and the kingdom divided. How are we, how are we supposed to apply all of that to our lives individually and to our world today, our own nation? Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. And I hope I can take your phone calls, 210 340 9585 210-340-9585 that's the bible live uh contact contact line you can call in be a, be my co you can be my co-host tonight love to have you come along and and give me an answer or a thought about how we are to apply these passages of scriptures to our lives four thousand years later now here in modern day america don't go away the bible live will return after these short messages Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 
Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. We are back. Thank you for joining us here on the Bible Live broadcast. We've made it through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We've now finished. uh, We're into the book of Joshua this past week. We read chapters 6 through 24. So uh, we're going to cover the book of Joshua tonight, and then we'll go right on into uh, the book of Judges and the little book of Ruth. Which I oh I love the little book of Ruth. It, it gives me that little after the discouraging, difficult time of reading uh, uh, the book of Judges, which is it, it is. Uh, and most of you, if you've read the Bible and here, or if you continue to read through us, go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, or just biblelive.com. Either one will get you to our website, and you can join us in our excursion, our annual excursion through the Bible. Uh, you can join with us and listen every day, Monday through Friday, right there on the opening page of thebiblelive.com. You can see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There are the five readings for the week. You can click on the one for that day. Or you can go to the podcast area, go to another section of the website, and you can see all of the readings from months back and month, uh, well, months back. And so you can pick up almost any passage you want from the Bible. But we'd love for you to join us as we make our way uh, every year through the entire Bible, Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. So uh, do that and join us. And then here on Sunday nights, we get a chance to kind of review the the passages we've read the the prior week we read it together uh we've read it together and now we're going to talk about it and take your comments and your phone calls and our first caller today is an old friend talking about the lone ranger and tonto this is my old buddy jacob on the line with us hi jacob how are you uh good evening sophie i am fine in fact i might say i'm a I'm a specimen. Do yeah. you know what a specimen is? I do. I know you're a real specimen. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I, wait, wait, wait. We can't move on too much faster because this is going to be a good one. Do you know what doctors, nurses, they all get it wrong. Do you know what a specimen really is? <laughs> I thought I did, but I have learned by now to not to say, no, I don't. What is it? <laughs> okay. It's not, you know, doctors, nurses, they'll say, oh, it's a sample. You know, it's something like to do with a little jar, right? Or right, yes. No, no, no. A specimen is an Italian astronaut. A specimen. A specimen, yes. Of course. I should have known that. We're, we've got to find, you, you deserve something for that. I don't know what, but um, yeah. we'll, we'll give you that. <laughs> 
Hey, Jacob, I'm glad to hear your voice on the radio again with me. Um, What are you calling about? Well, I heard you talking about that famous city, Jericho, and a guy named Joshua that went over there and went around the walls seven times and made the walls fall down. And I just thought, you know, I I, I turn on the show a lot, and I just wanted to call and say, hey, I I think we've discussed this before, but uh, with your consent, I'd like to talk about that just a tad. Oh, I'd love to hear it. And let me tell our listeners that, of course, in case we have new listeners every week, of course, and there might be folks that don't know that you were – uh, that we co-hosted together the Bible Live broadcast for, what, six, seven years more, maybe? Uh, yeah. And Jacob is my authority, my expert on the Hebrew Scriptures, the Tanakh. And so I'm really glad to hear your voice. Stacy and her family are out camping out tonight somewhere and uh, having a last hurrah with the grand boy Will before the, his little sister is going to be born. And so uh, you and I get the team up a little bit more here on the book of Joshua. I'd love to hear what you have to say, and I'd love to hear your take on my general overall theme of the evening is how do we apply all of, how are we today in 2022, 2000, what is it, 4,000 years later almost now? Well, That's at least 3,500 at least, 3,500 years later, how are we supposed to apply these lessons from about battles and about taking the land of Canaan and how are we supposed to apply all that to our personal lives or the times we live in today? And maybe you and I, you can help me kind of talk a little bit about that broader theme of, of the program as, as a whole. But tell me first what was on your mind. Well, uh, actually, before I do, I know that uh, there you were thinking about uh, possibly going back on the show several other nights a week and having your Bible read. And as I spoke to you earlier this week, I would love to see you do that because, you you know, you originally did that for an hour. And it, it's great reading. You're a great reader. And uh, and if this would make, not make you blush too much, uh, I would love to see some people contribute towards that so you could come back on and have one hour of Bible reading like you used to, five days a week, and then uh-huh. on Sunday night, the call-in. So I'd like to really see that. And it's so valuable because there's no other radio shows that come on and actually just read the Bible. Let people hear the Word itself. Exactly right. Will it be hard? You know, Native Americans were called, you know, the red men. You know, we don't blush that easily. Uh, I oh. mean, you don't notice our blushing, but I am blushing. Yeah, you are very kind in your well, words. When you said red man, I thought you were referring to reading the Bible. <laughs> I'm a red man. I've been read, all right, read my rights. But anyway, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm still praying about that, and maybe our listeners have something to say about it because we would need uh, we would need support. We would need help to do that, and uh, it could be that uh, there's someone out there that said, man, I would love to help present the Scriptures to this great city, seventh largest city in America, and, and our dear beloved city of san antonio but oh yeah yeah we talked about that this week i I told i told john we got together for lunch and that was wonderful well and and it's truly the only show that's around and you're a great reader and i'm not just saying because i'm talking to you but you are a great reader and it is it is such a valuable show because everybody comes on and talks about this and whatever and those are that's valuable but 
to hear people actually read what it says. And you had the only show that was actually reading what it said. People actually got to hear it. I think that's extraordinarily valuable. That was my passion, and that was my reason for the Bible Live, is is to let people hear that I've grown. Of course, I've grown up with the Bible, and I've gone through 50 years of ministry. It's taken me 35, 40 countries of the world, and, you know, 50 years, and I've been teaching it and preaching it and and learning about it and growing in my own understanding and all of that for many, many years. And I, I just have a passion. This, this is an amazing gift that God has given to humanity, this book. And, uh, you know, it is sad. It's become lesser and lesser known even in our country where the scriptures at one time were very well, very, you know, very deeply embedded in our society, in our culture. And today I understand from a lot of polls and, and you know, social uh, polls that are taken and measurements that are taken that fewer and fewer people uh, read the Bible, are familiar with the message that the Bible brings to us. It's really sad. Well, it is, and uh, and my the last thing I saw was uh, I believe it was a pure a pew poll that said that only only now somewhere between eight and ten percent of the Bible Bible people read the Bible uh, at least one time a week. That's terrible. It is, and it's sad, and it'll have a consequence. There's no doubt about it. I, the nation was founded on the principles, at least, on the worldview that this book uh, represents and uh, the creator God and, and his purpose among humanity and so on. That was fundamental and basic to the establishment of this uh, this nation. And uh, it doesn't mean it's perfect by any stretch or means or was ever perfect, but it means that there was a strong, powerful influence of uh of of truth about our uh, the reality of our existence and our purpose, and uh, we're, we're losing that. I I think, well, but we'll see. We'll see. You know that that's part of my question tonight. Overall, is you know because the people of Israel too here they they started out here at the base of Mount Sinai. They they had this powerful beginning and a wonderful start, and then they had these years under Joshua and they battled and and yet. And yet still, and that's one of the sad things about the book of Judges, is that still and all, even with that, generation to generation, they seem to spiral uh, lower and lower and move further and further away from that essential truth, that the, the true and living God and what he's doing in their midst and among them and through them and to the world around them. So th- that's my question, basically, is uh, how are we supposed to interpret these passages of scripture. Now, did you have something to say to Josh, uh, Jacob, about about the time of Joshua? This twenty-five or thirty years of battle as they they cross the River yeah. Jordan, the Battle of Jericho. Then there's Ai, Achan, and Ai, and then they go to this, you know, to 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 go ahead to con- complete the conquest of the Canaan land of Canaan and divided allot it to the different tribes. Were you going to say something about that as well? Yeah, yeah, I sure would. So let's, uh, if I may, and I think it's a great segue because you're talking about what impact in today's world. And I think, I hope uh, this is a great segue. You know, at Mount Sinai, you have the mountain and you have actually two fires going on. One at the top with God giving his word 
you know. And at the bottom, you have this man-made fire going on making a golden calf. So you actually have the two fires, and it's going to be one of those are going to be the determining factor of what religion, what God you follow. Is it going to be a calf at the man-made stuff at the bottom or God at the top? But this is the fascinating thing that people don't catch a lot. And uh, I'll just, you know, summarize it. But so what you got is you've got God speaking. And you'll find in Exodus 19 and 20, you'll find that God speaks. It's, uh, it's, uh, it says he speaks with the sound of a shofar, you know, like a horn. Mm-hmm. He speaks with that voice. Well, okay, so that's the sound. And then he gives his word, and of course we get the Ten Commandments, we put it in the ark. Well, now when Joshua crosses over and he goes to the Ai, by the way, the word Ai, Ai is yes. actually the first pronounceable syllable in the in the Hebrew word way of saying lamentations. It's like, I, like uh, just a great pain. <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, I'm trying to bring up our other listener. We've got another listener on the line. I want to bring him up to visit with us as well. Yeah. But tell me that once more. Repeat that last thing okay. you just said. Well, it's, it's actually uh, AI is actually the first pronounceable syllable of the Hebrew word for the book of Lamentations because it's a great Lamentations, great pain. But after AI, this is the fascinating. They go to Jericho. Jericho, the people today. Jericho is pretty is about a ninety nine percent Muslim, and they like to say that word means maybe the word fragrance, but that's not what it was in biblical times, nor is it reality today. What it really meant was Jericho is a way of saying city of the moon, city of the moon God. Mm-hmm. And it, when you go into Jericho today, even today, there's a great big still there, a plaque. And it actually says this is the city of the moon god. So what you have is after the ten plagues, which were the ten god, uh, t- ten gods of Egypt, uh-huh. and they come over, they go to the Mount Sinai, they get the, uh, they get the, they get God's word. Now the God's words in the ark, and then they go over to Jericho. And while they're at Jericho, of course they march around. So remember they, carrying God's word with them from Mount Sinai, and they circle, as you know, around the walls of Jericho, and they blow the horns. The reason is, it's the word of God and the voice. The sound of God was the shofar. So you got the sound and the word defeating the moon God in the beginning of Israel. Yes, very, very, very interesting, in fact. And, of course, they were following the instructions, not only that that the commander of the Lord's army had given to uh, Joshua, but actually, back in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, Moses had outlined when you go to battle, you know, oh. he had outlined the purpose of the, the the priests going before them and the trumpets and the role of the trumpets in it. So at the same time, they were they were following the instructions that God had given earlier, even to Moses to them, and now Joshua gives them. He puts he puts the specifics on it. Right, but, but so they're 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 following God's commands here. They're they're doing what God has told them to do, and that seems to be a real key in a given moment. And that seems to be a key for for every moment. If they would just keep trusting, obeying God, then at least at a broad level, they would be uh-huh. blessed. They would be preserved. 
Um, That's right. Well, that would be the application, I think, of how that relates today to the modern world. It's the Word of God that makes the difference. Exactly right. It is. Now, what I, I want to let me bring Ben up, if you don't mind. Let me put him on the line with us, if I can here, if I can engineer this. Uh, ben, are you on the line with us now? Okay, let me see if I can get Ben up on this. Ben, are you with us? I'm going to keep working out of here and see if we can get Ben, are you on the line with me? Hello, can you hear me? I can, Ben. I'm so glad to have you. Are you still with me, Jacob? I am, I am. Okay, Ben, you're on the line with Jacob and with me here on The Bible Live. Shalom, men. I... uh... I, uh, just to make, add, try to answer your question from my standpoint, uh, I look at the 400 years that uh, Avram was told that the uh, Kanani and uh, all the other uh, Hivites and Hittites and yeah. Perizzites, et, et cetera, would uh, have before they came into what he called uh, the fullness of iniquity. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I believe that since we're 400 years all empires and, and we're 400 years as of December 2020 since the uh, um, Scrooby Mayflower men came over and formed Plymouth. Um, it's been 400 years, so I, I believe the application is our empire is now coming to an end, and we are playing the role of the parasites and and uh, Hittites and Hivites. I don't really think and, that uh, well, our, our, our nation is now going away. Mm. As you can see in, uh, in Ottawa, you can see in California, Oregon, Washington, down in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, the uh, evil administration that is in Washington, D.C. now, you can see our country is now going away. And in the book of Kings, it says at the borders, this was the time when Yahweh began to uh, cut away the kingdom of Israel. And our kingdom is now being cut away at the borders. And uh, our 400 years is up and our iniquity is now full. This is this is the application that I envision. That is very, very interesting, Ben. It is because you're right. Back in Genesis chapter 15. We read, God did tell Abraham, I'm going to give you this land of Canaan to you and your descendants. But he said, you're going to have to you'll go down into another nation. You'll be held there uh, in bondage for 400 years. And, of course, that happened. Then they came out under Moses' leadership, and they've now, under Joshua, gone into Canaan to begin uh, their period of time, which will be longer than 400 years in terms of... Uh, the time of conquest, and then if you add 325 years from the time of the judges, then you start with Saul and David and Solomon. You go into uh, in about seven, what is that, seven, seven ten BC? Then the, no, no, not seven ten, uh, ten, 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 not ten ten, ten, but just ten ten. Then you have uh, Saul and David and, and Solomon. Then you get the kingdom divided. And so on. So we, we it's, it doesn't fit exactly into 400 years necessarily, but that's a very interesting that's a very interesting um, observation. And that brings up my question: uh, that how do we interpret these? And I 
I think there – thank you for doing that because that helps me make the point that I'm going to make. And you're free to call back again if you have another thought about this, all right? Just want to yeah. make sure you know okay. that. Okay. Sh- shalom. All right, shalom. Uh, the um, John's going to help me there know how to take care of that. Uh, here's here's my thought, Jacob. Uh-huh. I think when you read any portion of Scripture, particularly I think here in the Hebrew Scriptures, but probably applies to the New Testament as well, anytime you read the Scriptures, you're looking at a an extremely complex set of circumstances because uh, every you've got at least three different views. You may think of another one as well. In the first place, you have you have the the global long view. You know, we've read from the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we know that the God of the, the true and living God has created the human race, and all of our existence is for a purpose. He is calling out of the human race a people for himself. The, the, in the long view, everything into some way, shape, or form is contributing to God's redemptive plan, what he is doing on planet Earth out of every generation, every nation, every tribe, every language. He's calling men and women, boys and girls to himself around the globe. And that's been going on now these, what, four to 6,000 years that we've been on planet Earth. Uh, so the, there's always that global view in every incident that we read about in the Bible and even our own times even this radio program tonight, even people in their houses, in their cars tonight, everything we're doing in some way, shape, or form, every all 7.2 billion of us in some way, shape, or form is part of that overall global long-view vision of what's going on in our world. And we all are having our, our, our tiny little impact. We're all a part of that in humongous process. So that's the global long view, and sometimes you interpret a passage of Scripture in that view, and that's what Ben just did. He's taking uh, the, you know, the, what we know about the book of Joshua, and he's saying, well, that was 400 years. The, the people of Israel are going to be there 400 years, and then their time is going to... I mean, no, the, the, the Perizzites and the, the people of Canaan were there 400 years, and that's now their time. They're under judgment now that God is using the people of Israel to end their time. And, and so that's that global long view, and he applied it to America today. Then there's also another view, though, is the immediate big view. What's going on uh, at this time What uh, with Joshua in this battle of Jericho? It had an immediate view. It had a, an immediate impact on uh, the inhabitants of Jericho. Some some men were killed in battle in the Battle of Jericho. Uh, some people were killed, and it might even it might have been some godly men, some people, some men who truly honored God, in the, but they were killed in the Battle of Jericho or in Ie. Or so there's an immediate big view. In other words, uh, the fact that um, you know Achan sin that's a, that's an immediate personal view. Achan, his sin, but it had consequences for his family, for his clan, for his tribe, and for the whole nation. And then as it affected the nation, it, it affected the big goal, even God's plan. I mean, we're reading about it today, and it's having this huge long view effect as well because we're reading about it and learning from it. 
So you've got a global long view, you've got an immediate big view, and then you have an immediate personal view. That would be the 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 boots on the ground, you know, knee level view of it's happening to me. I got sick. Uh, my daughter got sick. Or well, this happened, or that happened, or or things that happen to us. They always have an immediate personal view and lesson for me about my own walk with God. You know about. May I, Sophie, may I interject one? Sure, time? sure. What do you think of that? Well, well, I, I think you're 100 percent correct, and certainly everything goes in cycles. The three patriarchs, if you look closely, and this is not an original idea with Jews, it's also a Christian idea, but the three patriarchs, uh-huh. the nation of Israel, and then, of course, followed through even Joshua, in the story of the Jews. Joshua, oh, Joshua, <laughs> well, our, our time is up for this segment, but hang on to that thought, okay, Jacob? Yes, sir. All right, hang on to that thought. We'll come back. <laughs> the music kind of fed right into what he was saying. But uh, we're going to try to answer the question now. When you read these stories in the Old Testament, there's several ways to look at them and to gather truth from them about the global long view of what God is doing and the redemptive plan of redemption, and then about the immediate view. Is God taking away America? Is he raising up China? What is God doing in this time of 2022? And then the immediate personal view, what in your life, if you're driving a taxi tonight or you're in your home, we're all under the same situation of COVID and all this sort of thing. What is God teaching you personally? And there are things that we can learn from the scriptures on all three of those levels. Uh, as And I think that's the way we have to look at the scriptures in, uh, in, a, in a real way, and we can make all those different applications. But we'll come back. Jacob is going to stay with me through the break, and we're going to come back and talk about it a little bit more in our final segment here on The Bible Live. Don't go away. Joshua commanded the people to shout, and the walls come tumbling down. Keep it telling. Joshua picked the battle around Jericho, around Jericho. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back for our final segment of the program this evening. The Bible Live is on the air. I hope you'll join with us if you'd like. 210 340 9585. And we will continue forward to our consideration tonight of the book of Joshua and my very, very good friend and former co-host here on the Bible Live broadcast, Jacob is with me. And uh, we were just talking about how do we apply these stories about like Achan, about uh, the people of Israel going in, uh, the battle of Jericho, 
that these things that happened to them that we're going to read about in the book of Joshua here, this 35-year period of, of 25, 30, 35 years of, of open warfare, they go in now to 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 conquer the land and to occupy it uh, in uh, as Joshua leads the people of Israel into the promised land. And, and then also, even through the time of the judges, we see these events taking place, and the question is, how do we apply them? And Ben called in and said, well, we've got, they had 400 years, uh, God told, in Genesis 15, God told Abraham that they would be down in Egypt for 400 years or conquered in, by another people for 400 years. And then the sin of the people of Canaan uh, would be ripe and ready for judgment, and God would use the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on them, at the same time accomplishing a, a vital purpose for keeping his name and worship of the true and living God alive in the world of that time, whether it was Egypt or Syria or Babylon or the different great, you know, or Greece later on, the Roman Empire, this this little piece of real estate that God established there, this people group uh, in the Bible called Israel, God uses them to keep alive a vision of his, the true and living God and also akin to bring through them, as he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to bring through this people group. Now, it's not a race of people. It's uh, just a particular man that was chosen because of his faith in God. It was counted to him in righteousness. And then through his descendants, there's a people group that God pledges, covenants, promises to to preserve them and use them to, to by his own power, for his own purposes, to bring about the redemptive uh, plan of God, which, of course, is embodied or focused, centered in uh, this Messiah, this Redeemer that would come and take on the sins of the world, be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we've got these several big, big views of of this passage of Scripture, how does this contribute, any passage of Scripture, how does it contribute to the, the global long-view purposes of God, of God? How does it contribute to the immediate big-view purpose of God in, in the immediate context in that historical moment? And, and, uh, and then how does it uh, affect the immediate personal dealings of God as God deals with 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 individuals who are in the who are living in that moment that this is always Jacob this has always puzzled me not puzzled me but interested me because when we read the bible you read about you know you read about the big names you read about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and we read about the the, the these he Moses and Joshua and Aaron and you know the 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 main character sort of thing of the people and yet there are thousands and thousands of people who are in the backdrop, who form a part. You know, when they when they fought the Battle of Jericho, th- there were thousands of men that went out to do that battle, and each of one of them has their own perspective. They're not just fodder in the fire. They're not just pawns on the chessboard. They are people whom God loves, and God is working and dealing with them in their individual lives as well. This young man, Achan, is is an example of that. God deals with him and his family and and so on in a given moment. And, and so you have these three levels 
of, I would say that when you read any given Bible scripture, you can find some element of, there's some purpose, some some application that you can make. You can see God's, how is he using that event, that person, that individual. Let's say we're going to come up on the, on the little, this little Moabite girl called Ruth, who marries uh, uh, Naomi's, one of Naomi's Hebrew sons. And this little girl named Ruth, who is nobody. Ruth is nobody. She's just one little tiny little person in in the world of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people of that era. And yet God chooses her out. She marries marries Boaz, and she becomes the great-great-great-grandmother of David and then in the lineage of Jesus himself. So that's an example of what I'm talking about. Go ahead, Jacob. I was going to say, actually, something interesting about Ruth. She is uh, after, of course, people. Uh, there was a mixed multitude that left Egypt with the Jews and went to Mount Sinai. Exactly. And after they left Egypt to Mount Sinai, they, up to that point at Mount Sinai, they were known as the mixed multitude. But after that, you'll find they're no longer referred to that. Actually, they become absorbed and become part of the tribe. And they, when they go into Israel, and this is... This, to me, has always been interesting. You're talking about modern times. You know, actually, right now, the biblical boundaries of Israel is not how big Israel is even at this time. Right. But, you know, they had to fight, you know, they had to fight the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And, so and as Ben said, the Parasites. Uh, the Parasites and, and the Bud Light and the Electric Light. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, but here the, the interesting thing is, so if you look, and this is fascinating, so the boundaries of Israel, and this is kind of timely for those people that believe in, in times, uh-huh. as I know you do, and I share that thought. Anyway, so here we've got, we've actually got the biblical boundaries of Israel have to be expanded to be the biblical boundaries. And actually, all this controversy is taking place right now in Israel about the Golan Heights. And he says, that's the other areas that have to be taken into Israel to make it concrete. And if it once it gets that big, then we've reached the absolute 12 parts of the land. In fact, if I may say, I'm sure you've heard of a fellow in the New Testament named Jesus, a Jewish guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Heard of him? I've heard of uh-huh. him, yes. Well, he was in all the papers. Yes. Anyway, anyway, if you look, what he's really doing, now I'm going to give you a little different perspective on the, the feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. In fact, in Mark, and you, I haven't got it in front of me, but I'm sure you probably have it handy or you may know it. We just, yes, we said, just finished reading Mark before we started in uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, yeah. Great. Well, so he actually talks about that he, he there was seven baskets left over, yep. and and then or twelve, and it's supposed to be twelve baskets because a half because each basket is a colloquial way of saying each portion of land that the twelve tribes must have, and that's why there's twelve loaves taken to the temple. Each tribe brings the produce from their basket to as a loaf of bread to the temple. Mm-hmm. So what's actually happening is. They got the 12 tribes, and if you look closely, when Jesus, and this is another aspect, but Jesus is talking about the 12. There has to be 12 until all 12 have their parcels of land or their baskets, shall we say. 
that the Israel is not complete and it's not free. That's why he does in the first one when he does five thousand, he has uh, was it five or seven? Yeah. Then in, when he does the four thousand, he does the remainder. So then you get exactly, and he actually says in the book of Mark, he says, "Don't you guys get it? I did. I said the seven, then I said the five. Well, that's in Joshua." I know, and, and it's very interesting you say that because we that's fresh in our minds. We read the book of Mark, and and his disciples didn't get it. And Jesus was making, obviously, a point there, but that brings up this, this point that I said, that here is an incident. That here they are. They're on the banks of Galilee. Or they're near there, and they're having this. He's feeding these thousands of people, uh, miraculously feeding them, and so on. And so you have an immediate personal view. The little boy brings forth his five loaves and two fishes. So there's there's a little boy who who doesn't know anything about this grand scheme of things, the redemptive plan of God for all humanity through all time. He's just a little boy who had a fish and he brings it and he shares it and and God blesses him and uses him personally in a given moment. So that's the immediate personal view. And his disciples, you know, he Jesus tells his disciples, have the people sit down. So he ha- he involved them in the miracle. So they have a perfect personal, immediate involvement in what he did there. But then there's an immediate big view uh, interpretation of that as well. And that here, Jesus, this is forms part of Jesus' earthly ministry, that this is part of his earthly ministry of, of carrying out his role as the Messiah in that given moment under the Roman Empire and all this sort of thing, this was an important part of him, of his role and his carrying out his his calling in that context. And then you, uh, you have alluded to Jesus himself points out the big global long view of, look, this is a redemptive plan for all humanity and the, all the tribes of Israel are restored and all, this is a view of me. Uh, reaching not only the the Hebrew world but the Gentile world. I mean, could, different ways we can look at it. But well, that's right. In other words, you have these three you have these three views all demonstrated, illustrated. Almost in every reading of the scripture, you can you can look for those three levels of of understanding. Right, and I agree a hundred percent. And so what he's what he says when you look really close, and I love that line in Mark where it says, "You still don't get it." Well, I would <laughs> I wonder to myself how many people perhaps in your audience, and perhaps in general thoughts. And perhaps me, myself. So, Sometimes I, well, I didn't get well, it for a long time. We don't. Well, we don't. Maybe we don't get it. Maybe not. There's something he really wants people to understand about that number 12. Yeah. Why? Because each basket is the basket, the land portion of each tribe. And all 12 have to be there. So he And if you look in Joshua, he does the seven, and then he does two and a half and two and a half, in other words, five. Uh-huh. So he gets it, and he's actually recreating what Joshua is supposed to do. And, he, and as you said about Rome, he had to free Israel from Rome, and he was going about that. But may I add one other quick thought? I know you're talking about the 400 years and uh, being out of Israel and being in Egypt and that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, the Jewish reading of that is a little different. Uh-huh. If if you look at the number, see, it's not it's the time periods that they're out of the land of Israel. For example, if you add the time that Abraham was out and the time, well, not Isaac so much, but Jacob, when you add that together, you come up with 
the years. And it's not just the oppressive years because they weren't slaves for 400 years. They were only slaves for roughly 100. Right. But the other land for 400 years. So that's how you get it. But, but the Jewish way of adding that up is you add up the times that they, the patriarchs are out, and that's when they were serving somebody else. But that's a, that's a Jewish reading and a Jewish take on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, w- which is a good point, too, is that, you know, we have to be, we have to always approach our interpretation of these levels of interpretation. We have to do those with a great deal, I think, of modesty, and and uh, because it, it's easy to be wrong. You know, you can make, oh, this means this, and this means that, in the big global view, and it may not be that at all. You know, it may be something we're just kind of making up, and you can make things up out of the scriptures. You like a lot of people now; they try to piece together in in great exactitude what every little thing means that you know Iran and Iraq and 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 what Russia's doing you know that's Mog and Gog and Magog and Magog just another word for Moscow and and so on and so on and we can make you can create these theories of how things are and what things mean boy you you have to be really really careful i I prefer to kind of, if the Bible says it, and particularly if Jesus says it, then I clearly then I'll take it, and I'll and I'll take it to the bank. But 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 we got to make sure. I guess we have to make sure. I'm not how, sure how important it is, but I think we want to get it right. We want to if there is, if there is a right interpretation, we want to find that. We want to know what it means. That, and maybe it all means more than. Maybe there's always more than one just one interpretation. Of a, of a certain event. Right. Well, of course, there would be the several layers, naturally. Yeah, you're I, right about I, that. I guess I'm, I hope I'm not unnecessarily muddying the waters. I, I do think the Bible is useful and applicable and practical, but but we have to rightly divide the word of truth, as Paul tells Timothy. Uh, we, we have to rightly, under, if we possibly can, rightly understand it and be a little bit modest about our approach, you know, I'm not sure anyone's got it all exactly nailed down and right. Uh, it, well, I think I think we'll all be surprised at the end. That, you know that I am all, almost certain that that is true. Hey, we've got a few minutes left. Let me give you a couple. How do you interpret the people of Gibeon in the book of Joshua here? This this these Gibeonites, they're Canaanites. And they know they're 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 going to get you know they're they they're going to get wiped out or conquered or whatever, and so they right. they they pretend that they're not from Canaan that they come from a far off land, and they convince you know they put on old clothes and this that and the other and they pretend that and they brought they brought stale bread yeah yeah and they got a covenant with with Joshua. He he believes them and takes them you know makes a covenant a treaty with them. And by their deceptive act, they gain for themselves. I mean, they keep themselves alive. I mean, they don't, you know, they're taken in and they they become, they take a kind of a, a labor, manual labor sort of a, an experience in the peop, among the people of Israel. But they're, they are, they are given a place and they, they remain alive. How do, what's the interpretation of that well, from a Hebrew point of view? Right. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. And this was really, uh, if I may say, uh, a lack of good, skillful judgment and leadership of of Joshua and perhaps his advisors because they made a covenant with the Gibbonites. Uh-huh. But, you know, as you know, even though they made a covenant and you and I might consider a fraud, which might vitiate the deal, uh-huh. from that perspective, since they swore the covenant in God's name, they had to keep the covenant, even right. though they had been defrauded. Uh-huh. But had they been on their toes, they could have made a different kind of covenant, but they didn't. They accepted what the given the given night's fraud, and they accepted it. So the Jewish lesson from that is, is that if you make a vow, an oath, using God's name, you are obligated on your part to keep that, even if the other people have committed fraud, because they didn't necessarily swear in God's name. But if you're going to be a representative of God, then you should keep your word because you swore in God's name. So that Joshua had to stick to the words of the Gibbonites. You're 100% right. And that's what, that, frankly, it's always troubled me. Because to me, in my world, I think, well, they vitiated the, the entire deal because they committed it by fraud. Okay. How do you handle the the miraculous hailstorm and these that God these weather events that killed a great deal of the enemy and also that uh, even the sun and the moon stood still till victory was complete, uh, slowing down the rotation of the earth evidently or somehow or other in chapter ten. Uh, how about these? I mean those those are local events, immediate events. They certainly had a big view, immediate effect in that moment. And you would assume that if the earth slowed down its rotation, 15, whatever it is, the minutes that were missing, that would have a global long view effect of the world as well. What do you think about these miracles? I mean, it's almost like walking across the river on dry land, you know, but but bigger even. Well, no, I agree. It's 100 percent, and I understand from NASA, and you know that uh, our 24 hours, that's why if I've heard it best explained, NASA, everybody does determine that it would appear from the rotation of the Earth that it, it was at a little different time. Now, uh, however this happened, the story tells us that the moon and the sun stood still. That expressed the time. Well, as people understand this, it's been explained, as I've heard it, is that's actually explaining why we have a little extra time every year. And we, you know, in in our culture, we come up with a a leap year. In the Jewish culture, they come up with a leap month. Uh, But everybody has to adjust for that time. And I've looked at NASA's sites, and NASA goes back and actually has a time period that shows that it would appear that that time did not occur till sometime in that that range. I've then heard after that as well. That, oh, you have great, great. So it does appear that uh, that something happened that changed the time because you know we actually end up with an extra little time. It's not it's not exactly you know uh, for three hundred and sixty five days. It's three hundred and sixty five and a fourth day now. Right. Exactly. Well, that's that's. That's uh, very interesting, and uh, we got to go quickly because we're coming up on the end. But they've got those. That's all in the book of, of uh, Joshua here. Uh, we've got. Let me see if there's anything else. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about, but I'm trying to find something I'd love to get your thought about in particular. Uh, I, I think I think I want to ask you about this: uh, the idea that Moses had told the people that when they went to war, 
They were mm-hmm. to give the people in the city, for example, in a given city, or about they were giving the non-combatants a chance yeah. to leave the place of battle. Bless your heart. Sophie, bless your heart. I am so grateful for you to say that, bring that up. It is absolutely, you'll find it in Deuteronomy, and it's actually explained that when you go to war, there's only seven cities this applies to, and that's only in the cities in the land of Israel. It's only seven cities, not every city, but when they went to these places where these Canaanites, Amorites, and Hittites, everybody's at, they, it's exactly what you just said. It's actually in the book of Deuteronomy. You have to build a road, and anybody that wants to leave can leave on that road and nobody will touch them nobody will harm them but if they choose if they vary from the road then they're choosing to fight if they refuse not to leave then they have made the individual choice to engage in battle now that is exactly what you're a hundred percent right it's actually specified in deuteronomy and the way that's been applied in the most recent skirmish in israel they dropped leaflets it's exactly the same thing, but that's the way they do it in modern times. They even made phone calls and said, hey, we're coming on Thursday. We're going to attack. You got, you want to fight? You stay. You don't want to fight? You go. But back in ancient times, it's exactly what you said. They build the road, and it's probably like a 10-lane road, and you could leave, take your possessions, and nobody would touch you. Well, that is that is a factor that very I've never heard that often uh, expressed or explained, and it leads to a lot of questions. A lot of people say in the Bible time, oh, these people, they did these terrible things. They killed all these people, all this sort of thing. And it's not brought up that in their in their battles, there was always this this road out, this way out before well, the battle began. I enjoyed it. And God bless you. And I hope you get everything you need and back on the show and everything on the road. Thank you, Jacob. I'm so glad you called in tonight. Folks, that's all the time we have here on the Bible Live broadcast. Go to my website, thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com. You can go through the Bible with us each and every weekday. And then here we are on Sunday nights, get a chance to talk about it and cuss and discuss it. All right. See you next Sunday. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.